1: Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one Mc Crispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.
2: Hello there, it's Jamila Jamel. Take a deep breath. Let your breath out slowly to the count of six. One, two, three, four, five, six. Do you feel better? Well, on my podcast, I Way, this month we'll be exploring ways to tackle mental health and feel better with guests like Simon Sinek from the Optimism Company, therapist Vienna Farron, comedian Neil Brennan, and many more. Listen to I Way wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Unspooled. I'm Amy Nicholson, and that silence you hear is Paul Shear being on location shooting the current third season of Black Monday. Uh, He's on location somewhere, and uh, I don't even know where. I was trying to send him like a singing candygram with a scary clown, and I can't. I have no idea where he is, but he will be back. And uh, in lieu of having Paul here with us to talk about Contact, we thought that we would play actually a special episode that we did live stream over YouTube early last year during the pandemic of a director that we love very much. We decided that we would take some time and we would uh, celebrate. A film called Big by Penny Marshall, a director that we adore. Penny Marshall, I think, is one of the absolute greats, and I could talk about her all day. So I'm really happy to keep talking about her in this special episode on Big that we streamed on YouTube. It's a very eclectic show. This is not going to be like an unspooled, unspooled where we're like, da, da, da. We're going to talk about everything in the order that we do. This is just anything rules, whatever we thought was really interesting, talking about the movie Big. Which perhaps we should do an episode on uh, in full later on. Because honestly, I think this movie really, really holds up. I think it is spectacular. Uh, so without any further ado, let's bring on the big.
3: Yes. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Unspooled. Unspooled.
1: I'm That's Amy the best we can do. <laughs>
3: I am Paul Shear, and this is a big experiment. Uh, Amy and I do this podcast. It's called Unspooled, and every week we watch a movie from the AFI Top 100 list. These are supposedly the best movies ever made, and Amy and I go through and we watch them, and we determine whether or not they are actually the best movies ever made, and some of them not so great. I would argue that. Uh, Tom Hanks is a star of one of them that should not be on that list, which was Forrest Gump. I mean, Amy, you would agree with that, I think, right?
0: I would say that Tom Hanks is a star of two of them that should not be on that list. I'm going to throw in Whoa. Saving Private Ryan.
3: Wow, look at that. We have hot takes, people. Anyway, I am Paul Shear. Uh, you might know, you know me from shows like The League or Human Giant or NTSF, SDSUV. And Amy, you are uh, one of my favorite critics out there. You are an, a brilliant writer, and we've been doing this for about two years now, right?
2: Has the time gone by
0: that fast? All because we started talking about Ghostbusters on a different podcast.
3: <laughs> yes, and then we followed it up by having a very intense conversation about uh, Tommy Wiseau's The Room, which I believe is a film that should be on the AFI Top 100 greatest movies of all time list because when you make a movie that bad, it needs to be on the list of the best movies. You can't you can't you can't do that. No one else can do it as good as Tommy
0: I mean, I would put that on your gravestone. Paul Sheer, he died arguing <laughs> to take Saving Private Ryan off the AFI Top 100 list and replace it with The Room.
3: I stand by it. I mean, it's a lot of words to put on my gravestone, but I stand by it. Uh, tonight, we are talking about Big. Why Big? I don't know. Tom Hanks obviously has been in the news, uh, but we wanted to do something that we thought would be a fun movie to watch and talk about. Little do we know that Big, this movie that comes out directed by Penny Marshall in 1988, is super disturbing. I remember it so fondly, not anymore. I mean, this movie what? is <laughs> I mean, there's some great <laughs> stuff, but there are some whoa moments. They don't make kids I, as a as a dad now, I have a 3 and a 5-year-old. I uh I watch a lot of kids movies. They don't make kids movies like this anymore. There's they not some They <laughs> should.
0: They should. Big is one of my all time favorite movies. And in fact, I would make a strong argument for putting this film on the list because Penny Marshall is a director who is incredibly beloved to me. Yes. And if it's not big we put on the list, it's gonna be a league of their own, if not both. I would but make Amy, arguments for both of those.
3: I mean, don't you feel like that would wreck the whole AFI list? I mean, there's no female directors on there. Do you really want to break that Keep glass ceiling? Them out. <laughs>
0: I want to shatter uh, that black, that glass
3: ceiling. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about big in a little bit, but um, we want to talk a little bit about Tom Hanks. Obviously, we all know Tom Hanks. Uh, he's the biggest star of all time. And we on the show have talked a lot about there's another like kind of ubiquitous actor that has shown up a lot in, in AFI films. And I was noticing a little bit like, oh, I think he's like Tom Hanks. I'm not the first person to say this. He's like the Jimmy Stewart of our time. Would you agree with that, Amy? Well, yeah.
0: And when I was preparing for this episode and going back and doing all of this original research with what was going on with Tom Hanks in the 80s, you know, before he was Oscar winner Tom Hanks, he was already being positioned by Hollywood as the future Jimmy Stewart before he was even in big. I actually found this um fashion slideshow that he did for Esquire magazine in 1987 before Big Whoa. Where they're making him the Jimmy Stewart that we actually have seen in some of the AFI movies. That is definitely Jimmy Stewart in the Philadelphia story, right? Yes. Outside, a beautiful girl, pouring martinis, dressed in these 1940s clothes. And they not only have a Jimmy Stewart in Philadelphia story, they dressed him up like Jimmy Stewart in Rear Window. Look at this.
3: Oh wow, with this little camera and binoculars. Now, here's a thing: if you've never listened to the show Unspooled. We have learned a lot about Jimmy Stewart, and we believe that Jimmy Stewart has uh, BDE. Uh, and a lot of every one of his female co-stars is like, I've never been kissed like this. He's the sexiest man. So I guess, I mean, we are we have to transfer some of that BDE to Tom Hanks. Does Tom Hanks have that BDE? Tom Hanks has
0: BPE. Tom Hanks has a uh, big piano energy. That's what we're going to see.
3: <laughs> oh, geez. <laughs> no, I don't like this. We're just starting, you don't like we're big piano energy?
1: Come on, big piano energy. I th- <laughs>
3: <laughs> I love it. Um but here's the thing. Um you know Amy and I were talking a lot about how we all know Tom Hanks, the Academy Award winning Tom Hanks. He is hilarious, he's a great dramatic actor, a fantastic producer, but we wanted to kind of show you some Tom Hanks that you don't know. This is kind of like behind the closed door of Tom Hanks. And Tom Hanks is in that energy or not in the energy in that era where you could kind of launch a movie career by being a guest star in some popular TV shows. So I pulled some clips and Amy pulled some clips. And we want to kind of show you a walk down Tom Hanks lane of things that you may never have seen Tom Hanks do. And I want to show you the first time I ever met Tom Hanks, uh, which was on Family Ties, which was a multicam sitcom starring Michael J. Fox, if you don't know it. And um, Tom Hanks played uh, Michael J. Fox's uncle, Uncle Ned. And Uncle Ned is an alcoholic. And that's what we find out in this episode. He's like reoccurs in the first and second season a Bunch. But this is the scene that is forever burnt into my memory. There's a a certain baking product used. And whenever I use this baking product, I think of Tom Hanks. And I hope now this is burned into your brain too. So take a look at Tom Hanks as Uncle Ned on Family Ties.
1: Yo, Uncle Ned, are you okay? I'm fine. I'm I'm fine. I'm fine. Let's see. There ought to be some alcohol in here somewhere. Oh, my God. Marinated artichoke hearts, do you ever have a real good artichoke high, Alex? (laughs) Cut it out, Uncle Ned, you you really don't need this. Oh, 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 here we go. Now, it may not be Miller time, but it is vanilla time. (laughs) at you, kid? (sighs) Now, remember, don't drive and bake. (laughs)
3: tom hanks the alcoholic who gets drunk from drinking vanilla extract as a kiddo it's like there's so much liquor in vanilla extract oh my god i can't believe it but uh he was such a drunk that he needed to drink vanilla extract is that a thing that you can do I look. I've lived a long life. Now I can honestly say I've never seen anyone jonesing for a drink, considering drinking uh, artichoke hearts <laughs> or pounding vanilla extract. You'd well, vomit. I we think you
0: have, have now. We have time on our hands. I think we could come up with a vanilla extract artichoke heart uh, a cocktail. We have nothing else to do right now. Let's get <laughs> it done. <laughs> okay. Well, I pulled a clip from Tom Hanks's very, very, very first movie. The very first time that Tom Hanks was ever seen on the big screen, it was in a movie that was a slasher knockoff, trying to capitalize on that Halloween money. It's called, He Knows You Are Alone. This is from
1: 1988. (laughs) Too bad they don't have a roller coaster. Thank God for a small thing. Don't you like to be scared, Abe? No. Most people do, actually. I mean, like to be scared. It's uh, something primal, something basic horror movies and the roller coasters and the house of horror ride. I, I
3: want to go on that next.
1: <laughs> and you can face death without any real fear of dying. It's safe. You can leave the movie or get off the ride with a vicarious thrill and the feeling that you just conquered death, one hell of a first-class rush. Don't tell me you're a psych man. Oh, a good deductive guess. <laughs> I'm most interested in fear, the emotion of fear. For example, why after seeing Psycho were so many people afraid to take shout Not me. I never saw the movie. You were afraid, right? You bet. It fascinates me. People pay to be scared, and when you think about it, it's real ridiculous. How ridiculous, that's the word I was looking for. Well, Amy's been a little edgy lately. She's uh, getting married in two years. Oh. And she thinks some maniac's following her around. Her. Oh. Guilt. I thought would have a field day without. You see, now you have a professional opinion. Thank you. Is he a big man? Let's just forget about it, okay? No,
0: no, no. Answer my question. Is he a big man? Yes. Definitely sexual. Though. <laughs> um, I pulled that clip for a couple reasons.
3: Please tell me all of them. <laughs> okay.
0: One, well, he's really only in the movie for like four minutes, so it was going to have to be that or, or nothing. Yeah. Uh, two, um, he is a big man. He's got that big piano energy, and oh, I thought cool. that established it. Three, <laughs> He says some really brilliant stuff about horror, actually, that I love. And I love that he says it so early on in kind of the rise of the slasher genre coming back and conquering the world. Four, he's at an arcade, which made me think of Big. And five, the ultimate reason why I picked that clip is because this was the way that people saw Tom Hanks for a really long time. Before, before Splash and Big 86, 87 started to turn around, they thought that he was just this, like, flip, sarcastic guy who got all the girls and was kind of like a cocky, brilliant asshole which is yeah. so different than the America's dad we, image we have. I wanted to go all the way back to the beginning.
3: Well, are you also saying he's kind of like the um, the Jamie Kennedy of uh, the Scream franchise, kind of just laying it down? I mean, he, he kind of has that vibe right there.
0: He, Thank you for making that illusion. I really appreciate it. This is why we do Anytime this. Anytime
3: I can bring up Jamie Kennedy, I will. But you know, <laughs> Amy, you talk about him being a real cocksman, a, a cocky cocksman. I'm going to tell you, mm-hmm. did you know that Tom Hanks is also known for his karate? Take a look at this clip from Happy Days, where he challenges the Fonz to a fight. Now, I guess in this episode, I don't know what happened, but the Fonz is now like a straight-laced dude. Here's this one moment of it. It's great.
1: I'm not afraid of this bozo. It's just not worth it. What is he? He's a he's a bunion on the toe of life, right? He's uh hey. here. <laughs> Did you forget where the park was last night? I was busy. Busy, busy, schmizzy, all right, right here, right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know it's not that i don't want to play tetherball with your head but i made a promise i'm not about to break well i made a promise 17 years ago that i was gonna mop up the floor with you so let's go
0: <clears throat> she called him a scum bucket
3: on well, happy days not so happy anymore no this is uh i mean i thought that was such a crazy thing like he was on the biggest sitcoms playing the most insane roles. I still have one in my sleeve waiting to show you, but these two are like, you know, he's very versatile. I mean, I would argue he's doing more character acting than he does in his films in a way. Like, we've already seen him do three very distinct types.
0: (gasps) Okay, well, you're about to see a radically different performance. You're about to see an early sad Hank's um this Ooh. is from the movie Mazes and Monsters which was the murder psychodrama about a kid who plays way too much Dungeons and Dragons and starts to live in his own fantasy world. Are you ready for this?
3: Oh yeah, I'm very excited. Robbie!
1: Robbie! 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 Pardue. What are you doing? Going to join the great hall. You can't. It's a trap. I have spells. I'm going to fly. You don't have enough points. I am the maze controller. maze co- Maze controller? Yes. And I have absolute authority in this game. Game? Game. game. What am I doing here, Kate? Why can't I remember?
3: Oh my goodness! That's like a like an after like a like a was it like a after school movie or whatever it was? Those, like that's like the one where the kids uh, get together and they actually create like fascism one time, like the wave. Uh, that's really Ready Player One action. <laughs> that's amazing! Wow. <laughs> wow! 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 Tom Hanks turning He's in some going good for performance
0: that Oscar. He's getting that Captain Phillips cry on.
3: By the way, I want to talk about uh, something that people are talking about in the chat room already. Uh, people wanted me to mention that Henry Winkler and Tom Hanks do have a real life beef. That is a scene uh, we showed a little bit earlier of Tom Hanks as the karate guy. It wasn't because of that Happy Days. thing. you know about this at all? No. Um. He basically got Henry Winkler fired from Turner and Hooch or i'm kind of calling this from the head either he got him fired or was miserable to work with they have a hooch beef they had a they had a hooch beef and so i think <laughs> recently they have they have like settled it but henry winkler the nicest man i've ever met in my entire life sat down and had like lunch with my parents nice uh would only talk shit on Tom Hanks. So you know that it actually like really affected Henry Winkler. Like, so I love it. I think they've made it up now, but it is worthy of mentioning that the <laughs> only person that has a beef with Tom Hanks is the ultimate nicest guy in the world. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and
0: it is also worth mentioning that the makers of Dungeons and Dragons did not approve of mazes and monsters that Tom Hanks film. And I, I suppose oh. they have yet to approve of it.
3: They should approve of it now. Uh, Amy, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm going to end on one clip that I thought was amazing. Uh, again, this is a kind of an older clip, uh, you know, 80s. There's a show called Taxi. It took place in a taxi di- uh, dispatch uh, place. Uh, Tony Danza was on it. Danny DeVito was on it. A bunch of great people. Uh, Christopher Lloyd played this character called Reverend Jim. Now, Reverend Jim was a total stoner, like just fried, freaked out, insane, like just, uh, just he was, he was like, a, a, the craziest character of all time. There's a flashback episode. And I'm only going to show you one part of it because it's very long. But basically, Tom Hanks is the reason that uh, that uh, that uh, Christopher Lloyd gets addicted to drugs. He becomes Reverend Jim. But here he's like in Harvard uh, as like a very smart guy. So Tom Hanks is the guy who gets like it starts off with Tom Hanks smoking or eating like a weed brownie. And this is this is just a section because it was the funniest section. But uh, take a look at this moment here of Tom Hanks
1: party or to protest, but to learn. who's going to be the leaders of tomorrow? <laughs>
3: How did you guys meet me here?
1: <laughs> Gordon. This is our room. I thought the ceiling looked familiar. <laughs> really good band.
3: So that's a little bit of Tom Hanks being a bad influence. And is the guy who gets Reverend Jim to become a full-on... Uh, I mean, I guess it's mean he's stoned all the time, but that's... Yeah, he, <laughs> he is the bad influence. So there you
0: go. Well, I guess that makes it clear that Tom Hanks was at a point where he needed to figure out how to grow up, man. Right?
3: He yes, gotta, he's and by gotta, the way,
0: it's got to get it together.
3: By the way, Amy, I know this is the first time we're doing this live show. Uh we normally do it at the Alamo Draft House and people are already saying that we've created a shirt which is a, a crying Tom Hanks. People want a crying Tom Hanks shirt. I feel like we got to make that and maybe we make that for charity. Uh if you buy it, we'll give uh money to uh a good organization. You actually were talking about an organization we want to give a little bit of money to, right? Uh, I was,
0: yeah. They just started an indie theater organization to help all the little indie art house theaters um, around. They just launched today, so I don't actually have the name right in front of me, but they're going to try to launch like a fundraiser to help 150 indie movie theaters at least. Uh, I love keep, that. Keep help them stay open, which matters. That's a lot amazing. To me. The, that crying Tom Hanks looks so much like that one. Oh, I never watched that show, and now I'm going to get in trouble. Dawson's Creek. Right. Oh
3: my gosh, the best. Right? that yes, yeah come the, on the, uh, rah, oh yes. yeah you're right they have a similar like cry face yeah. yeah cry face
1: Hey everyone, this is Gil Ozeri. You may know me as the guy who eats food over a garbage can. Or my wife's cute little companion with the ass that won't quit. Or you may know me from Comedy Bang Bang. I play Dr. Sweet Chat and Ned Bellinella the busiest man or Irving Sardinas. Uh, Anyway, I just wanted to say how much I'm going to miss Scott now that he's dead. What? What do you mean he's not dead? Well, whose funeral was that? What? Who the hell is Gary. Wow, okay, well, I guess I want to wish Comedy Bang Bang a happy fifth. Fifteenth anniversary! Wow, I always have the best time on CBB. It is so much fun to do, and Scott makes me feel warm and welcome, and extra wet. So here's to another fifteen years. Keep listening to Comedy Bang Bang wherever you get your podcasts. Bruba, go do. That's right, Bruba, they should go do it. Yes, they should, Bruba, right? Yes, shouldn't they? No. What do you mean no? Yes. That's what I'm saying. Bruba, go do. Yes, Bruba go, do. Bruba, go do. That's right, Bruba, go do. <laughs>
3: Before we get into our big conversation about Big, which we both watched recently, and we're going to kind of peel into it and, and talk about all the positives and negatives, um, there is one person that out there that uh, that feels like this is the be- potentially the best movie ever made. Uh, that it, This is hands down. Again, there's a lot of people, as we saw it here, people talking about Splash, people are talking about uh, all these other Tom Hanks movies. Oddly, not a lot of people talking about his dramatic work. People really respond to like the 80s comedy Hanks. Um, and there's one person out here that believes that big is not only his best movie, but maybe the best movie ever. Um, so she's going to come on in just a second, but I want to see again from, uh, people out there. What are you guys, uh, what are y'all thinking about right now? Like as far as Tom Hanks movies that we haven't talked about yet. Uh, Joe versus the Volcano is the one that you love so much, Amy.
0: I really love that movie. I really want to watch. I've been meaning to try to watch that movie again this week because it feels like it would suit my mood. Do you know? Yeah. I mean, it's very much a movie about hearing the worst news you can imagine in your life, hearing that impending doom is about to be beset upon you, deciding to do the most generous thing you can do with that time, sacrifice your life, as Tom Hanks says he will do by, do by throwing himself into a volcano to save an entire island nation, and this idea of doing a film that's about trying to do the best with the situation that you're given, it, it's nihilistic, and also it sounds beautiful right now, and it's, it's the mood I'm ready for.
3: Oh, and here, you know, and I want to talk about that in, uh, in one second, because we have our guest here, Lauren Lapkus. Welcome. Uh-
0: Lauren. Hi. How Lauren, are
3: we are so excited to have you. Obviously, people know you from uh, shows like Orange Is the New Black. You also have this great new podcast called Newcomers, where you guys are watching Star Wars, which is uh, an amazing podcast. I Thank love you. Wild. I love Wild Horses, and of course, uh, Freedom. Uh, but you love Big. Big is your favorite movie. Is that right?
2: It's my favorite movie of all time.
3: Um, tell us like when you found it, because I feel like you're younger than me, and this movie is like. An encapsulation of my childhood. So you came to it later, right? So
2: yeah, so yeah. yeah I guess I I first heard it when I was. I mean, heard it. I first saw it when I was probably like five or six. I feel okay. like. Um, I just think it's the most fun movie ever. If I could be in a movie, it would be that role. Like it's just Tom. You King's would be Josh off, Baskin. So, yes, it, I would be <laughs> grown up Josh Baskin. That would be the best role in the world.
3: Would it be creepier if it was a girl? Like instead of a boy, like, like I mean, because do we give it a little bit more of like a leniency because it's like a boy and it, like it seems a little less like. I mean, it's already a borderline. like creepy. if a
0: girl grew up in like romance, Tom Hanks, so like if yeah. Lauren could play the girl and then Lauren could grow up and look like Lauren but be romancing Tom Hanks but really be five year old Lauren. Oh,
2: I kind of love yeah. that premise. <laughs> I love it too. <laughs> But, yeah, I kind of do think it is weirder if it's a girl. Like, the thing about the way this movie works, I feel like it took people, like, till now to start saying that it's a little weird that he kisses Elizabeth has sex with Elizabeth Perkins or whatever. Like... When I was growing up, no one ever questioned that part. But I do. No. I, have you watched Blank Check recently? Yes.
3: Blank Check written by this guy who wrote, if you're in the Hollywood circles or not even the Hollywood circles, there's a screenwriting book called like Save the Cat. And the idea yeah. of Save the Cat is like on the first, you know, page, your, your first five pages your character characters to do something like saving a cat from a tree to show that they are a good person. And then you could do whatever else you want. This guy came up with this theory and he wrote this movie Blank Check, which is a bonkers, like kind of a batshit movie.
2: Well, my favorite thing about it is that the kid kisses, like the grown woman who's like a bad person, I can't remember what her role is, but she yep. kisses the kid at the end. And I was like, someone posted it recently and I remember watching it when I was growing up and just being like, cool, he kissed her. And like, now it's like, eh, what the fuck is he? Why is he kissing her? Or why is she well, kissing look,
3: him? This is like so weird. We just did, um, we did a holy matrimony on how did this get made? And holy matrimony is a young Hallie Joel Osment and Patricia Arquette And he's an Amish boy. She moves there. They have to get married because like through some weird, you know, 80s movie, or that's 90s, even 90s movie convention. He gets married. So they have like a kissing scene. He's like, You're my wife. I love you. But he's like, like like, he's like eight and she's like 30. And he like I have to watch
2: that now.
3: Oh, holy matrimony, directed by Leonard Des Spock from uh That's amazing. Directed
0: by Spock. is this like yes. Fox attempt to understand what love and marriage is? I'm trying to understand well, look, why you would dedicate months of your life did to making this movie. Did
2: he direct Three Men and a Baby too?
0: He
3: did indeed. I just yes, learned that. Did. Why
2: is what was that? Detour. Oh,
3: sorry. It was Joseph Gordon-Levitt, not Haley Joel Osment. Sorry, my mistake.
2: Oh, okay. J-Gl, I'm still interested. Sorry.
3: Yeah. I mean, it's still pretty good. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh yeah, he he um Leonard Nimoy was like a really good director or not a good. I mean, he was popular. He directed Star Trek and um I once was going to put him on my sh- a show, like a prank show I had, and his agent uh, was like, you can only have him on the show if you somehow can highlight his erotic photography. And uh, we couldn't find a way to do that. You couldn't that. find
2: a way? I could find a way. I'll figure it out.
0: <laughs> Wait, so you got to look at Leonard Nimoy's erotic photography? I'd love to hear about it.
3: Who are the I mean, subjects? It was, it was sort of like this person was obsessed. With, it was like a positive prank show. We were trying to make their day. It was called Make My Day. And we we're going to bring Leonard, Leonard into her world and she loves star trek and so like the thought was we could bring her into an erotic photo gallery but then that just seems super creepy like it was like also that's like a, so weird. a network show like we didn't want to creep her out <laughs> and like have him approach her like hello do you like my uh, erotic photographs?"
2: <laughs> <laughs> um that's creepy
3: Lauren, like so a lot of people out here have, have been telling us like what they love, like whether it's Sleepless in Seattle or, or you got mail. A lot of people think that he is a, a monster and you got mail. But um, are you oh, willing? To, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we forgive. a We forgive a lot in these 80s movies. I mean, there's we a forgive lot of, a lot
2: for the time period. And we also forgive a lot from Tom Hanks. I'm like, I'm willing to let him get away with anything at this point. Oh, yeah. I love him. He's just so fun to watch yeah a thousand percent like if i had to be murdered but the person who
0: needed to murder me hired tom hanks to murder me instead i wouldn't even be mad about
2: it i think it would would be exciting to die that way like oh shit
0: right (laughs) like a tom hanks murder gram i'd just be like cool (laughs) goodbye.
3: tom hanks out there murdering people but no one ever suspects him Uh, Would you be going on? Would you be fine to say like if uh, uh, Saving Private Ryan or Big? You would pick Big over Saving Private Ryan.
2: Oh yeah, Big all the way. Big is the fun movie. He gets to play with toys. He's a great character. The character is so likable and amazing. Here's my question about Big, and I want to hear what you have to say about this. So I've watched it like a million times. I don't and I don't watch a lot of movies over and over again. So this is really like a special movie to me. But I've started to think more about it lately. What do you think happens? when he grows up for real do you think that he like is cool and like keeps his childlike heart or what do you think
0: Hmm. i have thought about this a lot because i think we actually we know something about what's going to happen to him as a a kid so okay he gets back to his life he's 13 it's 1988 when it's 1998 he's going to be 23 he's going to be living right by new york he absolutely becomes one of the first dot-com millionaires Absolutely oh, gets on that web really yeah. early. In fact, I even have a picture that I like found somewhere that we can find. You know, like um, that. My guess is what's going to happen because you see that he, when he's a kid, invents a proto iPad. He invents that like electronic comic book. Essentially, looks exactly the Kindle. Like a That's, Kindle. Yeah, yeah Victor Tori, yeah. He's gonna get in. He's gonna make a killing, and then I think he wastes his life from that point on. I don't think he elevates to become like a real proper like Bill Gatesian type. I think he's just one of those weird millionaires who checks out and then eats a lot of Soylent. That's my bet.
3: (laughs) My theory on it is um, by the time he turns 23, someone is able to connect the dots and they go, you've been delinquent on your rent for the last 10 years. We're suing you. He gets caught up in a legal battle and he dies penniless. He never gets to live his life. (laughs) He is. They, he That's, never paid that rent. And it's all the interest just drags I him right down. I
2: hate that idea. <laughs>
3: <laughs> there is no paper trail. I mean, I, I like I mean, and I'm, I'm I'm so willing to forgive everything in 80s movies. But like, yeah. it is funny, like that he doesn't give a social security number and gets a paycheck. And he,
2: he yeah. and he pays his rent with like, no, he has nothing in his bank. account. He doesn't have a bank account. Like, he's totally fine. He gets a huge loft in New York. He orders yeah. everything. He somehow has credit cards like we can't think yeah.
3: about it. And this all happens within six weeks. I mean, nothing happens that yeah. quickly. Um, no. Lauren, what do you think happens to him?
2: Well, OK, I've thought about the idea that maybe he reconnects with Elizabeth Perkins. And so she's what, like 50 or something. Okay, and yeah. he, he's like 30. I don't know. I don't, can't think of their age difference, but. Um, That could be a fun path to take Like the romance rekindling As now he's like hey how are you doing What's been going on (laughs) Now I think she probably has gone like into a mental hospital Or something because she just has Watched a person turn into a child And meanwhile, his mom has had her child missing and he called from a kidnap, he has a kidnapper. There was a grown man in her her son's underwear in her house. Like she's been losing it for the last, you know, rest of her life because she's now trying to figure out what happened and who that was. And then Josh grows up to look like that guy. How do you make sense of that?
3: (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, let let me tell you, did you know that there was an alternate end that they actually shot for the film? No. So, yes. So the idea was um, that... When he went to Zoltar and he made his wish, he wished for her to go young as well. So there is a deleted scene where Elizabeth Perkins walks into his class as a young girl.
1: This is evil.
2: amazing. Is that, that online, but where are her evil? parents? Where are her parents? We can't wonder about she... that. Where is this footage? I need this now.
3: Uh, she apparently, people clearly
0: are... told him she did not want to go back to being a kid. She said she, she went said there. She hated it, it. Was miserable. I agree. I would never go back to being a kid. That's like that. I uh, what is? I don't even know what I call it. It's not statutory rape, but it would be like time <laughs> clockatory rape to like. It's complicated. Be forced to go back into your youth. I that mean there's God.
3: a he for yeah, yeah, he, he's uh, he's making her do something against her will. Uh, if anyone can find that scene, uh, people that are on our YouTube right now in New Zealand oh, say God. that they have seen it. I just had that research. So someone that. has seen it. Yes. It definitely was shot. Penny Marshall shot that end.
2: Um <sighs> have you seen Little?
3: No. Oh yes. yes I did. Yes. Issa I did see Little. It's really yes.
2: cute. I mean, I love body switch movies. That's also like my all my favorite movies are body. I'm like thirteen go on, thirty. Yes, vice versa. Um, I was like a Oh, About Time, which is not really body oh, switch, yeah. but like time travel. And it's like painful in that same way. There's a lot. I also love 17 again, which isn't a great film, but it's very fun.
3: I um, mean, there's also 18 again with George Burns. Another, another uh, one. Oh, yeah. It's a George Burns one where a guy becomes super old and then a kid. And and then there's another oh, movie that I loved growing up uh, was like Father Like Son. And that was Dudley Moore and Kirk Cameron, where they switch bodies. I haven't seen that. Oh, I mean, I have this. Oh, theory. there's some good ones. I have time. What do
0: you think about the fact that this huge chunk of movies mostly came about in the 80s? Because I have a theory, which is that baby boomers are now in charge of Hollywood in the 80s. And they're making these films over and over again about how they're all all children inside or how they could be children again if they just want to. Like, this is our early sign that baby boomers are never going to let it die. That baby boomers are going to be like, we're kids. We're the young kids. We're the cool kids forever. And they told us and when we were little we were like yeah every adult's cool every adult's a kid on the inside and we just bought it
3: oh I like it yeah because they, they I, kind of a are theory they're fed up with themselves in the 80s well uh, Lauren it's been so great to talk to you about Big thank you for coming on and, and kind of thanks for having me on show, showing us a thing and listen to Newcomers with you and Nicole yeah. Byer uh, talking about Star Wars watching it for the first time it's so fantastic it's so so great thank and freedom you it's and, very fun uh, everything else uh, thank you so much Lauren we'll see you thanks. later bye bye
1: Hey everyone, this is Gil Ozeri. You may know me as the guy who eats food over a garbage can. Or my wife's cute little companion with the ass that won't quit. Or you may know me from Comedy Bang Bang. I play Dr. Sweet Chat and Ned Bellinella the busiest man or Irving Sardinas. Uh, Anyway, I just wanted to say how much I'm going to miss Scott now that he's dead. What? What do you mean he's not dead? Well, whose funeral was that? What? Who the hell is Gary? Wow, okay. Well, I guess I want to wish Comedy Bang Bang a happy 5th fif- Fifteenth anniversary! Wow, I always have the best time on CBB. It is so much fun to do, and Scott makes me feel warm and welcome, and extra wet. So here's to another fifteen years. Keep listening to Comedy Bang Bang wherever you get your podcasts. Bruba, go do. That's right, Bruba. they should go do it. Yes, they should, Bruba, right? Yes, shouldn't they? No. What do you mean no? Yes, that's what I'm saying. Bruba, go do. Yes, Ruba, go, go do. That's right, Ruba, go do. <laughs>
3: All right, Amy, we've done a lot of talking. We've already kind of started talking about big. Should yeah. we get Let's into really
0: get into it? Let's really get into it. I'm ready.
3: OK, great. Well, we start off every episode of Unspooled by giving you some of the details of the year. And I'll start that way right now. The year is 1988. George W. Bush defeats the Democratic candidate Michael Dukakis in the U.S. presidential election. Ali North is indicted by a grand jury on charges of conspiracy to defraud the U.S. government for his involvement in the Iran-Contra affair. Prozac leads the market for antidepressants and crack addiction reaches an all-time high people magazine's sexiest man alive is john f kennedy and on tv premiering this year are the wonder years roseanne kids in the hall and murphy brown the popular movies are rain man who framed roger rabbit a movie that you believe belongs on the afi list uh twins die hard beetlejuice coming to america and today's film big it's not on the afi top 100 list um But this is a crazy great year. 86, 88 are huge movie years. And this is like, I mean, that's amazing. Uh, Let's take a, a little watch of a scene from Big. Oh, I'm sorry,
1: sorry. No, no. Mom, it's me. It's Josh. Mom, I'm not grown Stop up. Stop it, Mom. Oh, I made a wish Don't list. I turned into a grown up, Mom. I made this wish on the machine. Go, away. Go away. That turned me into a grown up. It was no. last night at the carnival. Ah. My birthday's November 3rd, Mom. I gotta be in my history yeah. test. Yeah, take the birthday. You can have anything that's in it. Go away. Uh, my, 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 my baseball team is called the Dukes. Uh, uh, I made this uh, for you. Uh, uh, Who are you calling? Uh, 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 uh. Ah! I I'm, have a birthmark behind my ah, left knee. Ah,
2: ah. You bastard. What did you do to my son?
1: I am your son, Mom. Where is my ah, child? Mom? Where is ma, my son? Ma. Please! Ah!
3: Straight up horror movie scene. Amy, uh, Big, tell us who's in it and what's it about?
0: Big, it is the story of Tom Hanks playing a young kid named Josh Baskin who goes to his Zoltar machine makes a wish that he can be big again, grows up as an adult, has a romance with Elizabeth Perkins, learns to be really cool at designing toys. And I'm sorry, I'm really still caught up in that scene that we just watched because do you know what horrifies me the most about that moment? What? When he bursts in the house is the way she clutches at her shirt so that he can't see down her blouse because she thinks this strange man has broken into her house to rape her. oh, That is, I never understood her fear completely until right now.
3: This movie is a, obsessed also with a lot of breast looks. A lot of people are are getting a lot of shots at breasts. Like the mom's covering her breasts. They're talking about the teacher's breasts. Then he gets to touch Elizabeth Perkins' breasts. He gets a look at Elizabeth Perkins' bra in a scene. There's a lot of a lot of breast work in this movie. Uh, a lot of breast but, work
0: in this movie. But there's a lot of like... I think just that clip alone shows how wonderful and masterful this film is. You have the physical comedy of him breaking that little tchotchke as he's like yeah. exaggerating and trying to yell and trying to scream. You have... The beat in the script where he thinks that she's screaming because he has to go wipe the mud off his shoes. You're inside his kid mentality, the whole beat of it. You have her real thorough, freaked out anger and panic. Like there's a real emotion that scene. You know, I think a lot of these like 80s body swap kind of comedies are like, it's wacky and big makes it horrific a
3: lot of the time. But what I think, I think the reason why this movie has an element of horror or maybe creepiness to it is the acting is so good. That's Mercedes rule who plays his mom. She's amazing. She won the best supporting actor Oscar for the Fisher King, uh, but also just a great uh, Broadway stage actress and film actress, but she's playing it so real. And Tom Hanks, I, I mean, I will talk about this movie a lot, but Tom Hanks is fantastic in this movie. Like he played this part so well. Penny Marshall did this amazing thing where she had the actual kid who played the younger version of Tom Hanks do the scenes before Tom would do them. So he would watch the kid do the scenes. So he could kind of steal. I mean, not steal, but like watch how he would approach them. So he could actually use that to inform his acting. And I think it really, it makes a big difference. I think that like, we see this a little bit in Jumanji and stuff. I don't think that they're doing that as much, but you can see like when you really adopt a character, how you can transform And Tom Hanks totally is a different version of Tom Hanks than what we showed, that cocky kind of cocksman of uh, of 80s TV.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think Tom Hanks makes a better kid in this movie than most Hollywood actor kids playing kids, their, their exact age in movies. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because a lot yeah. of kid actors get the kid kind of sucked out of them and they play tiny adults. And I usually go insane in a lot of kid movies because the kids are either way too smart for their own good or way too emotionally sensitive and empathetic about how the world works. And kids often seem incredibly phony to be in films and to have Tom Hanks come in with just that pure mix of like fears and hopes and excitement and terror, all of the kind of unattractive emotions that you might even think a young boy is trying to hide. He just, he also plays them. He plays a boy who is willing to cry, a 13 year old who's going to cry, which he just absolutely nailed it. Just that. like
3: his character in Monsters and Mazes, Amy. Just <laughs> like that sweet, sweet cry. I know. I did pull up movie. actually
0: because, like, right after he freaks out his mom, he goes and freaks out his friend. And I pulled up a still of his friend's traumatic cry face because it's just, yeah. it's also good. Look at that.
3: Look at that. Look at <laughs> yeah, the fear. That is a fearful are, kid. They're good acting here. I also think, you know, Penny Marshall does a really good job of, of I think, capturing these really nice small moments and the moment that really gets me and it makes me so sad and i remember it so viscerally like this movie i haven't seen in i don't know three decades i feel like but i remember so many of these scenes and when he is left alone in that hotel in new york when his friend like drops him off there and he's just alone, and the hotel is disgusting, and he's got to make his bed, and he's never really been by himself before, you know. And he's hearing the, the the sounds of gunshots out the window and stuff, but it's it's such a sad moment. You see him like really just fall apart and cry, and I don't know. I just really, I really like love that this movie takes time for that, and and I think the whole like the first act and the and most of the second act are really like great about embracing that like real these real moments well yeah
0: i mean the new york that he shows up in he basically shows up in the same new york as midnight cowboy right he's like i'm young joe buck walking into this city getting a bad hotel with a tv that's chained to the wall and hearing gunshots and being really freaked out and having a rich older woman like me amazing (laughs) but i was thinking that in that scene it kind of got me thinking about how part of the gift of Tom Hanks' body language, I think as an actor just in general, is the way that he sits down. And so I pulled together a couple of freeze frames of him sitting down in this movie because he oh. sits in a way that you get why he got an Oscar nomination. Here's the first one. Look at him, sitting on the steps, <laughs> knees kind of knocked in, feet twisted to each other, hands in pockets, sitting like a child, sitting in his room again, sitting yeah. awkwardly, clasping. I like this one. he's sitting on his knees in an office oh, chair. wow. Thousand percent absolutely relate to that. Um, here he is sitting nervously again, scared on a bench, which made me realize why this man was cast in Forrest Gump. Because look at this
3: oh, look at that he's great just bench Forrest work. Gump-ing.
0: It's the same bench sit, same knees. Same oh, wow, feet. yeah. He brought his big feet into the Gump world.
3: He's I a, love he's that. A,
0: it's a big sitter, he's a big boy.
3: I mean, there's something about these movies. We talked earlier about how there's all these body switch movies. I mean, from you know, um, and this one. seems to be the best. I mean, I think you could probably make an argument that the Jennifer Garner one 13 going on 30 Mm -hmm. is uh, like up there as well, but there's so many disposable ones. And I think that this one, it goes deeper than just like, you know, party, like they enjoy the party of it, but then they also just have real, real, real emotions. Um, But I think what I was kind of blown away by was how many like eighties conventions are in this movie that you see now in things like stranger things. Like I think in I my, childhood, I was so upset that my walkie-talkies wouldn't work to connect to my friends. Like everybody in an 80s movie was on a walkie-talkie. It was like, these things don't work more than four feet. Come on, people. Like, unless you had like some uh, (laughs) industrial strength walkie-talkies here.
0: Well, yeah. And as a person who's spending her quarantine playing an old 8-bit Nintendo emulator that I got, I was Mm -hmm. really taken with the video game that he plays, the kind of type in like choose your own adventure. And I have a theory about it. I have a theory about it because the movie opens with its very first shot is of the wizard, right? And I do tend to believe that your first shot of the movie says something incredibly important about, you know, where, what your theme is. Like you're trying to pay attention. You're trying to like get eyeballs on the most important thing. So I want to look at this um, first shot of the game, this wizard that he has in the video game, because I want to ask you this, like, melt wizard his first action do you think that this video game is kind of connected in some sort of astral plane to the zoltar machine where zoltar a wizard trapped in a box kind of like this wizard is trapped in a box it feels under attack that either he's somehow angered a mystical god
3: are you saying amy that video games are are poisoning our youth that they're like they're activating some sort of witchcraft. If you play witch, if you play video games, you are you are upsetting the, the psychic balance of the spiritual world. Is that what you are, uh, your hypothesis is? Yes. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I do find this movie kind of falls apart for me in uh, in the in the later part of the film. I just think it gets a little. It kind of doesn't know what it's doing at the end. I feel like um, as much as the beginning, I think kind of feels perfect. Um, but like when he does go back to that wizard scene when he's an adult. Like, you're expecting him to learn something? Like, he goes back and he's like, oh, use the thermal detonator. It's like, the fuck? What does that mean? Like, what did you learn? That what you learn? Like, it's like, that should be like a moment. Like, he learns something. Like, he problem solved. But it yeah. just seems like he's playing the game.
0: Yeah, because, like, you know, if it was Matthew Broderick, he'd be like, oh, the only way to win is to not play. He doesn't learn that. He's just like, oh, I have a weapon that I didn't know that I had or I wasn't even thinking of. I got a weapon. Like, is is a thermal detonator... You know, because he learns he has a weapon.
3: Oh. His cock? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there, by the way, um, there's a uh, Tavi in the group who says, I always confuse the video game in this movie with the video game in Princess Bride. And I want to tell Tavi right now, there's no video game in Princess Bride. It's a book. There's no video game except for the very beginning. And it doesn't even count. It's like nothing. It's a nothing moment. It's baseball. <laughs> it's a baseball video game Tavi. It's. I just watched Princess Bride the other day with my kids. They loved
1: wow. it. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know,
0: but, like, talking yeah. about Tom Hanks' performance. So I want to play this um, a scene that I think illustrates something that I love about the way he does this movie. Which mm-hmm. um, I want to play the scene where he goes to the the big fancy party and he's wearing the white tuxedo and he goes to the yes. buffet and he's eating this snacks on the buffet. Because watching this movie again this week, I realized the secret to what he does in this film is that he acts like he's doing everything that an adult would take for granted for the first time. And everything is new to him. And he walks through the movie with this just radiating newness. And I think as an adult watching this film, it's this beautiful idea of, you know, remember when this was exciting. Rito? remember when you were excited to go to a fancy party and dress up? And he really channels that to you. As a kid, I think I was clued into the the wavelength of, I can't wait to grow up and be this person and go to these parties. Now as an adult, I'm able to appreciate even more how the kind of just blank, cute, wide-eyed joy he finds in things. The sense of discovery, I think. It, that's, to me, his, the MVP part of his performance.
1: The guy's a goddamn knockoff artist. What do you mean? Amphibian? He takes 10,000 G.I. Joes, slaps some gills on them, webs their feet, act <laughs>
3: You know, Amy, you talking about this and the sitting and everything really makes me realize how physical of a performance this mm-hmm. is. Like there's so much that you're connecting to the kind of unconsciously because it's not in the dialogue. And in a in a worse movie, John Lovitz would be way more front and center. I was like, oh, yeah, right. He's in that. He has like a small little moment. But I think the thing that I have a trouble with here is like watching Elizabeth Perkins, watch him going like, yeah, that's the guy I want to be with. The guy who's eating the mini corn. Like that, and like I just don't buy. I don't buy that she's like, ooh, what has he got? Like, her character is a little bit messed up, if if you ask me.
0: I think her character is a little bit messed up. I mean, the movie basically says right that she singles him out because she thinks he's the next up and comer at the office, right? That she right. kind of well, has, and had- she has
3: a a history of doing this.
0: Right. And it's interesting to me that this movie comes out the same year as Working Girl. You know, two movies about like, what does it take to be a girl in an office? Do you have to sleep with people in your office? And both of them are like, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Which is, I don't know, the 80s. But um, but yeah, she singles him out because like the stock of her current boyfriend is going down. He got unmanned with his building Lego transformer robot thing. Yes. And Tom Hanks' stock is going up and she's going to try to make it work by using her old speeches and tricks that we, like the limousine, right? When they're in the limo together and she's trying to like start this adult affair with him. And she's just going, you can tell in the scene, she's going to a script of what's worked on like all the other guys in the office that doesn't work on him because he doesn't even know what she's talking about.
3: You know, people are saying in the chat room that the reason why she, she maybe likes him is because she's drunk. Um, so maybe let's look at the look at it through the lens of that as well. I mean...
0: She has been drinking. She drinks a lot, this movie, man.
3: Oh, she's drinking and she's smoking. I, I love a kid's movie where you're seeing people just light cigs. Just, oh, yeah. Just she's blowing them She's a real
0: up. Judge Janine. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, let's watch her in the limo.
2: I mean, just seeing someone in the office, you don't really get a chance to know
1: them. I
2: mean, just being with you here tonight, I really get a sense of
1: who you are. I can eat these fries. No, no. Hey, mister, you want some of these fries? We're not going to eat them. No, no, thank you. No. See, it's hard in a business situation. I I mean, there's there's this
2: invisible line and, and uh, even, if, even if you're attracted to someone are you going to call someone before? No. Uh, I mean, at this point in my True. life, I, don't, don't, don't play with the, leave the, uh, don't, no, I'm really vulnerable right now. You know, and I, I mean, I love my job.
1: And, and I, it's I, y-
3: I mean, <laughs> I love that scene. And I was watching, I wrote that down. I was like, I want to play the scene because it's again, just like, You're right. like, I mean, she's trying so hard to seduce him. He doesn't have any interest in her. And and oddly, I guess that's like the dynamic that I guess like he's playing hard to get, even though he's not. But I want to talk to you and I want to put myself in this situation as well. I'm not just saying because you're a woman. If you were trying to hit on somebody Uh and they were acting like that. I'm I'm thinking like, huh, like. Like there's something wrong here, right? Like, and that's why I think this movie does really well. Is like everyone does a great job of like, yes, ending the moment. Like Robert Lozier's like, you're great, you're a good kid. like. They all justify it, and they're good actors. But that is that's beyond what I can uh, like justify that car scene. If I'm if I'm flirting with somebody, and I see that.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, that's why I think it's not about the fact that she genuinely likes him at the beginning. You know? Yeah. I don't think she genuinely likes him in that scene. I think she's like, I got to do this because he's going places, which is really Ooh, tragic. It's so, dark. I, it's yeah. so dark. I don't think it's one of those movies where like the girl just loves the dude for absolutely no reason. I think he only later actually grows on her as a person. I think at this right. she's just like, Ugh, I can't believe I have to go here. This is what it takes to be a woman in the 80s in a corporate world.
3: I mean, some people are even saying uh Kate Littleton uh is saying because he's just a damn fox, she doesn't well, he is care. A damn she just wants fox. she just wants to get that wanna to go to that bone zone, wanna play with that toy. Um, but you know what, I, I guess like the other thing I think about is yes, I guess she's trying to seduce him. But I think the thing I miss with her character, and I think that like it's interesting that this character feels a little bit to me, and maybe it's a period of the time, you know, when it comes out, it's like she sleeps her way to the top or she associates herself with with people who are going to the top. And at a certain point, I never really see her, like, really fully embrace, like, her child's side. Like, I, I don't feel like she just kind of, like, once they have sex, she just kind of brings them in. She's like, now you're going to be an adult like me. But she doesn't ever, like, loosen up that much besides the trampoline scene, which is a second after this. Like, you don't really see that much of her, like, oh, now I have a whole new perspective on how I do business. And actually, I don't need to sleep with anybody anymore because I have great ideas. Like, in in a weird way, I want that to be her character arc. Like, that he helped her.
0: Because they do kind of, they do that thing. I mean, I want to show a picture of the very first time we see her in the movie where she looks extra old. Because they do that thing where it's like, I'm the uptight woman and my hair is all back. And now that I'm in love, it's loose and it's bouncy. But look at the way she's costumed here, right? She's not just old for the 80s. She's like dressed as it as if she's Rosalind Russell from the nineteen forties. You know, she oh, looks. Right. She's costumed incredibly ancient. And there was this whole fashion thing in the eighties of like eighties by forties, which is a Google search I look all the time on eBay because you can find really cool eighties <laughs> clothes that are made to look like the forties. The Blade Runner. Look. By the
3: way, that is a uh, very much uh, a lot of the wardrobe on Black Monday. We are rocking nineteen eighty eight right now on the show, and June was in the mm-hmm. show last night and was wearing something almost identical to that. Oh, I love
0: that. And you get to eventually put clothes on too, right?
3: I do. When I, yeah. so sometimes, yeah, when, when I'm not like all half naked, yes, I get to put <laughs> some clothes on. But suits aren't but yeah. as good as that. The yeah, yeah. other is
0: the thing where I think they've costumed her to be, to kind of be even more timelessly ancient, you know, to look like, um, I mean, we, we do know from Josh Baskin's point of view that, or Perkins or Baskin's Perkins, we don't, we know that from his point of view as a kid, even as a kid, he likes older women. So it's not mm. strange for him to like her.
3: I mean, look well, at the older women. women. It's sort of like I think <gasps> a lot of the times I uh, yeah, I guess well, you're I mean, right. Look at, he does look like at older women. Yeah.
0: Look at that. Look at that. Look how much taller she is than him. She likes men who right. can drive. He he digs older women. He's into MILFs, very young.
3: Okay. All right. I you know what? You just actually opened my eyes. By the way, speaking of MILFs, this movie is PG, not a 13 in here. Straight up PG, and they get the they get a fuck out. Like I mean, there is uh, like I mean, they like they're like there's some stuff going on in this movie that is surprising for a, a pg I remember like when I saw Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom, that was PG-13. They ripped somebody's heart out. But this movie, uh, this there's a lot more questions here. But I guess I didn't ask them when I was a kid. Because this movie is like, I've never seen a movie that home run hits or line drives a ball right to me. This is my life. I grew up in New York, outside of New York City. I went to F.A.O. Schwartz. I, every one of these toys from Photon. I, this is like my life. I'm really? there. I'm like, oh, like, like without a doubt, like this is my toy world. Everything is right about this movie for me. Like every poster on the wall, uh, the 1010 wins. I'm yeah. there. And so but like, I guess I never asked these questions. But when I watch it now, I'm like, OK, all right. I wouldn't show this to my five year old.
0: So you're saying that Josh Baskin grew up to be you. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, Congrats.
3: No, to that. no, no. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Well, okay, but I mean, I want to talk a little bit about what Penny Marshall brings to this because I think it kind of ties everything we're talking about together. Because mm-hmm. if this movie was done in that classic '80s style mm-hmm. of like we were talking about this with *Mesh*, like oh, it's a chick with boobs and gazonga, and here we go. Yeah, I don't think it would have this lasting power. I don't think it would have this sweetness. Yes, but I want to talk specifically about the sex scene between him and Elizabeth Perkins and the way in the way that Penny Marshall films it. Because I think Penny Marshall, I think Penny Marshall really identifies with the Elizabeth Perkins character, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Like what it's like to be, you know, a woman making your own in the city and to be dating guys who are really immature and what is your best option here? And the way that she shoots their sex scene, you know, it's not through his point of view, like us as the camera looking at her boobs and being like, wow, it's my first boobs. Right. It's through us looking at both of them in remove. And it's as much interested in her reaction as his. And I think it's in, it's beautifully done. Let's watch a little bit of that.
2: You want to light on?
0: Yeah. I mean, how sweet is that? They make it about it. the wonder, you know, and not about the boobs.
3: Yeah, I know. Even. I I I love this scene, and this is why. Like my biggest problem with the movie, and I talked about this a little bit earlier. Is from this moment on, because then he has sex with her and uh, and I believe that scene is beautifully done, and I think this movie across the board is just really well done, but writing wise he comes out of it and he's a different person, like sex yeah. has changed him, changed him like sex has made him an adult, he drinks coffee now, he doesn't have time for his friends. he loses his innocence, and it's like, oh, what is this movie saying that like sex is like the moment where you cease to be a child and and that like really bummed me out because it's like oh he lost something because he had an emotional connection with somebody that message seemed fucked up to me
0: that is interesting and it, it is kind of an either or like he either has to be with her and have her be his best friend or he can be with his with his original best friend that redheaded kid who's like in every single 80s movie on the planet because he yeah. has, it's not so much about like him learning to share his life and be open because he has that best friendship that I think is so awesomely shot here. Like their vibe, their hangout, the way they're just, it's such a team. Yeah. So, yeah. It like, it, yeah.
3: I, I he literally takes the sign off his office door. He's like, boom, I drink coffee now. It's like, oh, I don't know who this character is. And it's like, And I don't feel like, I mean, maybe the idea is that he's playing as an adult and then like he goes to that dinner party. It Mm -hmm. just seems like he becomes her. And I don't know if we go back to what we were saying with Lauren, like the idea that this is like the 80s, people in the 80s going like, well, that's what happens. You just, you change. And I didn't like that. I didn't like that he like all of a sudden doesn't care about his parents, doesn't care about his friends because he had sex once. Like it literally is once. And he's- You don't think they keep doing
0: it? You don't think he like- they eat pizza
3: and, oh, yeah, I mean, totally. They're eating. They're they're chowing down in that pizza hut and then just to go into the bone zone. But uh, but the idea that he like the change is immediate. It's yeah. not like weeks and you. know, It's like so there was something about that that just didn't sit well with me. It just felt oh. like, you know, it's like oh, when you give your heart to somebody, you can't you lose your innocence. Or I, I yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's a bigger idea, and I think it's a it's the reason why I think people think it feels creepy too uh because as it gets in this later half that's where somebody I, I think that's where the creepy stuff is I, I don't think the creepy stuff is in the beginning i think the creepy stuff is when he kind of tells her i am a kid and yeah. she doesn't really care and then they're having this like, kind of fight and then it's i mean she so doesn't believe
0: it i don't think it's that all she right. doesn't care i i think i want to i would have really <laughs> let the elizabeth perkins character off the hook because yes she genuinely if- <laughs> thinks he's a <laughs> doll i mean you wouldn't be like <laughs> yes. what if no, he's secretly course. a boy you know no, she, she yes. believes what she's shown and, I, um, I totally
3: agree. Yeah. What if she like when he turns into a little boy, she just vomited like projectile vomit, like,
0: Wah! <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> I, she's do, I do. Thirteen. <laughs> I do love that she keeps trying to like change what's true. You know, he tells yeah. her she's thirteen, she's like, "Nah," and then yeah. she finally believes it and she runs to Voltron, and then they have this moment where she's like. You're fifteen or sixteen, right? She adds a couple years on to what he already told her, and he yeah. has to tell her thirteen again. I actually can we even just play that because the look on her face is so disappointed. It's
3: so upsetting. Oh
0: God.
1: You got your wish. I tried to tell you. I didn't listen, I guess I didn't try to hear tell you, you last or, night. Or want to, or how would I have even I've if I did listen, how would this. I know? Why I've would been I know tried- that? Look, I've been thinking about it, and there's a million reasons for me to go home, but there's only one reason for me to stay. What. What reason is that? Well. You. Oh, come on, come on. Come on, come on. So, uh, what What are you, 15, 16?
3: 13. Oh. But again, she does a great job acting there. And, uh, and you know, she was supposed to kiss him on the lips. Elizabeth Perkins said, far please, like at the Mm-mm. end. But can you picture this movie? There's a moment in time when Tom Hanks was not going to be able to do this. He was busy with uh, some other films. And so they were like, let's not create uh let's not kind of create the same thing of like a tom hanks light let's go somewhere else and it was going to be robert de Niro robert de Niro uh, and uh, which is definitely not tom hanks choice and then on top of that (laughs) because robert de Niro wanted to do like a kids movie and he was friends with penny marshall and then deborah winger was the first person they offered the part to so it could have been deborah winger and robert de Niro doing that scene how old are you oh hmm, well i'm like uh, 13 Thirteen, thirteen, give or take, 13.
0: This could never work. This could never work. This works because Robert De Niro, well, this works because Tom Hanks is not a method actor. Tom Hanks was like, I tried to be a method actor. Didn't work for me. I just act. Robert De Niro mm-hmm. would have to somehow become a child. He couldn't do it. No way. I just want to show you yeah. what I think the most implausible thing is in the movie. I do not okay. think the most implausible thing in the movie is that this guy goes to a Zoltar machine and becomes short. I buy I think it. The, no. The not, most not impossible thing yet. is literally the last scene in the movie. Let's take a look at that. We don't just like a still. The most impossible thing is that he gets back to his mom. He's a kid again. He's been gone and kidnapped for like six weeks, right? Yes. And then um, the ending credits is that she just lets him go and hang out with his friend again. And they're just like oh. walking down the street immediately. By yeah, the way, no, that, that scene,
3: they, you know what? they I have a theory about this because I was watching it. That scene simply was like it ended, like it it ended, and then they're like oh, that's a bummer ending, um, because you because it's a beautiful moment. Actually, Mercedes rules. Uh, Mercedes' rule is not even on screen, and you hear it in her voice. She's so happy he's home. It, it's a very emotional. I, I found myself being yeah. like well, welled up over. And they felt like they thought it was like too weird to end in that moment, so they took old footage from the beginning of the movie because they're wearing the same outfits from the first scene, and just like play it again, play it again, play that. That dumb rap yeah. that they do like that that rap that actually Tom Hanks improvised because his kid came home, the shimmy shimmy cocoa pup rap uh it was uh he basically came up with it it was something his son had learned at summer camp and uh, and so he made it up so that is a Tom Hanks original. We've already yeah. heard two raps here um but yeah, like I mean that that uh I He's feel like never I watched it last that night. over the house again never. And Never. by the way, I love that the, I mean, did he keep on calling his mom or did he go radio silent after he was in that relationship? Because uh, someone is pointing out like the reason why he may have changed is because you get lost in your first relationship. It changes you. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I would have liked to have seen her lead that change a little yeah. bit. Like, you know, I would have liked her to say like when they're at a dinner or breakfast, like, you know, he's like, I want orange juice. And she's like, coffee. And he's like, oh, coffee. I would have liked to see him follow her lead more than just actively do it and i think that's what i was reacting to it seemed like he was making all these choices uh you know i don't know i think that's totally
0: fair i think that's totally fair um so do you want to talk a little bit about zoltar history just really fast yes yes let's do it thanks to this movie you know zoltar was back on the hit list of things that were cool but fortune teller machines actually were um they go back to 1904 they've recently found the very first ever fortune teller machine that they have that's still intact that oh, speaks wow. to you. That actually speaks to you and says um, your fortune through like one of those those crazy tubes you see there. They found it oh, wow. um, in Montana at a rural like restaurant bar that's just been operating there since since 1904. And David Copperfield has been trying to buy it for years. He's offered them two million dollars and they say no. Wow. So there there have been this history of like Zoltar machines showing up, and most of them do fall into the quote unquote gypsy type. But there's mm-hmm. a weird subcult of very popular ones that are all based on having a grandma in a box. So I pulled some of the creepy Whoa. grandma Zoltars that used to exist and they tend to say, like, what does grandma say? What does wow. grandma say? What, what does, grandma does grandma say? say? Oh, I love grandma this. Grandma in a box.
3: Now, I want okay. a grandma in a box.
0: Well, you can't have one, but you can have a That's proper a shirt. Zoltar.
3: <laughs> okay. Oh, wow. They,
0: yeah. They are for sale. They're $8,999.
3: Not bad. Um,
0: not bad. And when Reasonable. I went further looking around this website, um, it explained the plot of Big um, as though right. a robot was trying to explain what Big is about. Please read um, some of this. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Grown ups do not have the same motivations as he does. The pursuit (laughs) becomes of the Zoltar machine, an attempt to put life back
3: the way that it was. Oh, man. I love this. (laughs) Zoltar wrote it.
0: Zoltar wrote it. And then FAO Shorts was sort of like, this is our movie. We got to get into the act. What if we sold a cheaper Zoltar? So they made a (laughs) tiny Zoltar. That is um thirty nine ninety five. It's incredibly reasonable. It's small. They I did not write that text box. They really do think the Zoltar should be telling the other girl that she has amazing eyes. It does not have good <laughs> reviews. I will not read this entire review of an angry person who bought the knockoff FAO Schwarz Zoltar. But some of the lines um say that he does a Pazuzu imitation, um that he cranks his head around. He calls uh he says he feels bad for the uh, child labor that he ass- assumes was forced to churn this out. Uh it's the most brutal review I've ever read in my life of a Zoltar machine. Uh.
3: <laughs>
0: but did you know that there is a Zoltar appearance, a cameo in a film that I recently learned you and I both love?
3: Well, I know what is it.
0: Let me see if you can recognize it.
3: Oh yeah. Uh-huh. I remember this. Will we win
2: the world jam? Hey, hey, yo, Zoltar, hey, machine, yo, give
0: me my money back, man. Yep, Zoltar shows up, Step Up 3D.
3: (laughs) Another reason, another reason why I love Step Up 3D. I remember that because I freaked out when I saw it, but it's not actually the real Zoltar. It's like they just slapped that Zoltar name on it.
0: I know. What are you going to do? Hanks did reunite with a Zoltar machine played by Stephen Colbert a few years ago.
1: Oh, really? Yeah, if you want to see how that went. If your soul is off the table, there is one other thing that would please Zoltar. Sure, anything. Will you read my screenplay? (laughs) Oh, you have a screenplay. (laughs) What's it about? It's about a carnival fortune-telling machine, kind of an everyman. After he gets dumped by his fiancée, he goes on a road trip to find her, but ends up finding... himself.
2: Well, I kind of feel like I've seen
1: that one before, and sorry, I'm not interested in playing a fortune-telling machine. You fool! You're way too old to play me. I was hoping you could get this to Colin Hanks.
3: I, I love it. Uh, you know, I feel like this is the problem, like... There, When you get to do a movie that's this big and and it kind of like is all encompassing, they're always going to make Tom Hanks do this. I was doing research for this and like there's so many times that Tom Hanks doing that rap, the shimmy shimmy coca puff rap. Mm-hmm. You can see him doing Zoltar. Like you can never escape it. And I feel like the one thing I can say about Will Smith and Tom Hanks is they go, bring it on. What do you want? I'm going to do it. I, I'll do it. They don't fight it. And let that be a lesson uh-uh. to everybody out there. Don't fight it. Just embrace it. They love it. They want to see you do it. Um, Amy, this has been great to talk about. We didn't talk yeah. about the big, giant piano scene. That piano in F.A.O. Schwartz, I used to go there and dance on that piano, or not dance on the piano, just run around on it as the kids do. Um, and that is actually a bigger version of the piano that they actually had there. Uh, they actually built a specialized piano. And Robert Loja and Tom Hanks actually did that dance. Uh, they had doubles, but they were so, uh, they felt like they could actually do it. And Robert Loja, great in this movie as mm-hmm. well, like kind of. Like a, I love a I love a toy man I love a toy man who like I love that he's at FAO Schwartz like looking at like what the kids are interested in like he doesn't have his own toy store he's just like he's like Mister Hasbro goes yeah. to the goes to the most expensive toy store to see what the the in touch kids are I mean I would go to FAO Schwartz just to gawk because it was so expensive but it was like brought me back to my youth there that was the best time that's where I got my first Teddy Ruxpin at FAO Schwartz we waited online at You're five first. in the morning well Do you have my only. multiple? No, my only, I guess I should say. Well, somebody gave it to me recently. Um, but yes, so I, again, as you go to sleep tonight, picture Robert Loja and Robert De Niro dancing around on that piano. Now, that's a movie I want to see. That is not a um,
0: movie. Um, now, So Big got great reviews when it came out, but it did get one kind of negative review from a critic that I really like a lot. Uh, his name is Jonathan Rosenbaum. And do you want to hear what he said? That was anti-Big? Yes. Okay. Yes. He was annoyed at the whole trend of big movies, and he said, Yet another comedy about a boy occupying a man's body. While this is marginally better and more serious than most of the other movies in the cycle, the psychological ramifications of the change still aren't very convincing. Once again, the overall premise is milked for some mild titillation involving the kid's sexually, sexual innocence, making one wonder if the, jo- if the genre's popularity might involve some deeply sublimated form of kiddie porn, arguably the distilled ideological essence of squeaky clean Reaganism.
1: Wow!
3: Holy yeah. <laughs> well, like, look, somebody got ahead of it. Uh, I know a lot of people like wrote to <gasps> yeah. me. Uh, I've been telling you, I've been doing that, like that texting app thing. And so many people are like this movie you wrecked this movie for me by making me rewatch it. I feel so creeped out by it. I think a lot of people who've never seen it or have a memory of it feel differently about it. I think I felt. To me, I always thought it was a perfect film. I think I feel less that it's a perfect film. And I think it's a really well-acted film. I think it's actually a really well-directed film. Yeah. I just have some issues with, like, the story of it. I really, like, I think, like, the third act or the midpoint of the second act. Um, but it's a huge hit. Penny Marshall's the first female director ever to direct a movie that grosses more than $100 million at the box office. Way to go, Penny. Um, this thing this movie spins off a musical that opens at the Schubert Theater, runs for 193 performances. Uh it was nominated for best book and score. Uh it is wild. That
0: trailer is online of that musical. If people want to watch it later, Google that. It is nuts.
3: It's I mean, they've done this too many times and it never really works. Hundred ninety-three is not a real long time. No, uh, it's, also, a, yeah. um, it's yeah. also
0: Tom Hanks's first Academy Award nomination. This is the oh, beginning wow. of Prestige Hanks. This is the beginning of people being like, he's not that sarcastic dude. He's a real actor, and I can like him now. And then he's like, I'm going to go to the Burbs, which I can yeah, say because Jensen's not which, here anymore.
3: But by the way, that's what happens. You, always you have one in the can that's ready to go that you don't know one's going to life change. It's like Halle Berry did Catwoman next. But this movie also, I mean, as much as I'm ragging on the screenplay, gets a nomination for Best Original Screenplay, mm-hmm. which is also written by Ann uh, Spielberg, who is the sister of Steven Spielberg and Gary Ross. It's nominated for a golden globe for best motion picture. And it won for best actor for Tom Hanks. So this is like, this is a big, you know, big is a big movie. Um, do you believe it belongs on the AFI list? If we were to put it on the AFI list, would you put it on the AFI list?
0: I would love to. The only, the only wrestle in my head is what I'd rather have this on in a league of their own. And today I am not sure I have just mm-hmm. seen big, which makes me want to say big, but if I rewatch a league of their own tomorrow, I could easily say a league of their own. I love both of those so movies. So deeply. you're
3: saying this is the best parent. Tra- this is the best like body switching movie. I think you oh. might be right.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah.
3: You know, I think, I, I I think there's so much here and this movie is so iconic. It feels like it's a perfect movie to be on the list. There's no movies from 1988 on the list. I would put this on the AFI list as well, uh, even with my issues with it. And uh, we do one thing and this, uh, right. As we're wrapping up here, where we we have to know if the movie has any resonance in culture and the only way we can understand if this movie is resonant in culture is if it has been parodied on the simpsons and amy has this movie been on the simpsons
0: absolutely uh, this is from the episode lisa versus malibu stacy this is the episode where lisa starts a gigantic she starts this campaign she's very furious at malibu stacy for being so dumb and saying just dumb, sexist things. So she decides to invent her own doll, Lisa Lionheart, um, which she hopes will be a gigantic success, and it is not. But in the case of this whole story of making this doll, taking the doll to the shop, they go to a giant toy store, and here is Homer Simpson amusing himself. Hmm? One, two, three o'clock, four o'clock, rock. Five, six, seven o'clock, eight o'clock, rock. Back, 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 Thank you. Thank you very much.
3: Oh my god, that's amazing. I love it. Um and you know, I just want to continue to talk about the lineage of this of this film. Like obviously it's in The Simpsons, but this is a movie that's produced by James L. Brooks. Uh it also uh is a movie that I feel like uh, created uh, one of our great directors. The cinematographer is Barry Sonnenfeld, who shot all the early, early Cohen Brothers movies, and he directed Men in Black. And there's a Men in Black in connection here. The first time they go back to uh, his apartment, uh, the sample song for the Men in Black song is playing in the background, uh, which of course is, and I didn't know this until I Googled it, but I'll, I'll read it. It's, uh, it's uh, I guess it's the Forget-Me-Nots by Patrice Rushen uh and that's that's uh patrice russian in the background but when you hear it maybe that's uh i don't know i just like that little men in oh, black connection M-I-B. isn't that
0: the song that they're being mixed to be the men in black theme song
3: Did yes that's mean, what i mean. mean yeah not the yeah, men in black song yeah yeah
0: yeah yeah forget me not. yeah i love that jam um, um well, i have i we should i guess we should wrap up i do have a trivia question for the chat oh all right great if they can get this in fact i have two i have two okay i have two
3: this is and we'll give first. you something. We'll figure out when we'll get, we'll give you something, but we'll All right, keep no Googling. It. No Googling.
0: Question one. What is the name of the, you know, Tom Hanks has done many remarkable achievements in his life. He's been nominated and won many Oscars, but he has only ever written one book. What is it called?
3: Wow. I did not know he wrote a book. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, and while people are, all right, while people are kind of giving in their answers to that, I'm going to say that there's a lot of love for League of Their Own. I would argue that right now in our comment section, League of, their Own, League of Their Own is winning over big.
0: Really? I mean, yeah. I would love to have Madonna on. I, I, you know how much I deeply love Madonna.
3: And we got another T. Hanks on here. Goes down. Three. It
0: was gotten. It was gotten. It was gotten oh, okay. by the one and only Kate Littleton who hosts our trivia on the weekends. It is called uncommon type it is a book of short stories and the one thing that connects them is that they all or have a typewriter
3: tom loves his typewriter i had that typewriter app that he had where you can like write on your iphone oh and amre also iPad. got it yeah.
0: hello hi yeah, it's a good one
3: <laughs> oh hey there you go that's awesome um well amy do you want to do one more trivia question let's see let's do one more and like we'll all do right, another this is one a speed all right.
0: round. whoever gets this one first wins tom hanks is a wonderful actor. He's accomplished many things in his life. He's also grown um, in his own stature. As Tom Hanks has grown throughout the ages, what has he stopped at? I.e., how tall is Tom Ooh. Hanks?
3: How tall is Tom Hanks? That's an interesting thing because I always think that people are shorter to be in movies. How tall mm-hmm. is Tom Hanks? I've stood next to him um, and I never really took it in. I never really took it in how tall he is. Uh, Amy, this has been so much fun to do this with you. Uh, to do this uh uh, spool party. Uh and if spool you guys party. like this... I like
0: this yeah. name, Spool Party. Yes.
3: People that you're not seeing uh here is uh Josh, our producer, the uh the creator of the Josh Richmond uh, music anthology. Uh there he is, right there is Josh. And uh Devin, our engineer, Devin Bryant, giving him a little wave there. Uh working the working the whole <laughs> boards and and all the stuff behind the scenes. And then Molly, who's been uh monitoring the entire chat. Molly, you want to give a wave? You don't have to give a wave, but you can. Yeah, uh, hey, there's Molly. Molly's hey. dog Birdie. Oh, yeah. Hey. Thank you guys so much. All right, so David Luong got the the answer. It was six feet even.
0: Six to Tom feet Hank. even. That is a good yes. classic number. That is exactly what I would want him to be.
3: Well, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in tonight to our big big show. Uh, this is so much fun, Amy. Uh, it was great. It's not, I mean, super fun. To not be in the same room yeah. with you, uh, yeah. but we I mean, I miss felt like there. seeing
0: your face in the studio. so yes. I'm glad we get to do this.
3: I do, too. Uh, Well, thank you, everybody, for watching, uh, and we will see you soon.